There was a, a young lad on welcome duty at a large church, not, not this church, but another church. And one day an elderly lady approached him and he greeted her and welcomed her. And she looked up at him and she said, um, could you do me a favor, please, young man? Well, I will if I can, he replied. Or could you take me to the front seat, the front row? I want the seat on the front row. He hesitated for a moment and then said, you don't want to do that this morning. Why ever not, she said. Well, the thing is, the pastor is preaching and he's really boring and he'll put you to sleep. She looked up at him and she said, "Uh, young man, do you know who I am? I have no idea, he replied in all innocence. And she said, I am the pastor's mother. Well, he hung his head in shame for a few moments and then lifted his head and looking at this elderly lady, he said, but do you know who I am? No, she said, I don't. That's good. We'll keep it that way. (laughs) Now, you're okay because the pastor is actually sat in the front row and, uh, you know, we have a few minutes just to get things underway. So before we start and just to confirm what Kath brought at a similar word in the prayer meeting before this meeting began. I believe there is an older man here and years ago you wanted to get baptized. And the leader said, son, you're not ready. And yes, you were. And that phrase kind of put you off course. And today, God wants to say to you, here is water. What hinders you to be baptized? I also believe there's a younger person here and you think you're just too young. And it's like, I can't because I should be a certain age. No, you don't have to be a certain age. The full title to what is taking place this morning is this. What's happened today is believers' baptism in water by total immersion. But of course it takes too long to keep repeating it. But that's exactly what's been taking place today. It is Believer's baptism, not adult baptism. So the moment you know you've given your life to Jesus, even as a toddler, if you know, and when our son was little and he gave his life to Jesus, we said to him, Nathan, how do you know Jesus has come into your life? And he said, well, he took out my dirty heart and he gave me a clean one. So what did he do with the dirty heart? He put it in the peddling bin, he said. So it doesn't, see the age is not the, is not the issue. The issue is do you know that Jesus has come into your life? And if you know that, then believers baptism in water by total immersion is available for you even today. And that's kind of what we're looking at over the next 15, 20 minutes or so. We got, Give or take, okay, 12.34, all right, 11.34, okay. So, believer's baptism is today. And this is where we're going, this is the journey we're on. We're going to start off, just to give you a quick overview, we're going to start off roughly in Mark chapter 1, then we're going to go to Mark 16, then we're going to Acts chapter 2, from Acts chapter 2 we'll go to Romans 6, from Romans 6 we're going to go to Colossians chapter 2, then we're going to come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to shoot back to Exodus 14, and zoom down the corridors of time, and end up at Acts chapter 8, roughly in about 20 minutes. So that's kind of the journey that we're on, just to give you a bit of a heads up. So, you know, there you go. So... 
The paraphrased version goes, John lived in the desert. He was praying night and day. He said to all the people, now attend to what I say. Be baptized in the Jordan and be sorry for your sin. Get ready for the coming of the Lord. And they did. They came in their hundreds and were baptized by John, having their sins washed away in the river Jordan. An amazing moment. 400 years have passed without a prophetic voice and suddenly this voice from the wilderness comes out and declares, prepare the way of the Lord. And while John is preaching and baptizing, he looks up one day and he sees Jesus. And he makes this incredible statement. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And there's this conversation that takes place between Jesus and John. But what John's declaration is, is this. It's not Islam that is the mainstay. It's not Islam that is the answer. It's Islam. Thought you'd like that. It's Islam. Oh, yeah, no. You just no idea, like. It's Islam. It's the Lamb of Calvary. It's the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And suddenly, the Lamb that was slain has become flesh and is now dwelling among them. And John says, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And Jesus convinces John, you need to baptize me. Why? Well, first of all, Jesus wants to identify himself with the sins of the people. Paul goes on to say, He who knew no sin became sin, that we might be called the righteousness of Christ. But Jesus steps into the river where they have been having their sins washed away. And he identifies with the sins of the people of his day. And as he comes out of the water, the Spirit of God descends upon him like a dove. And heaven is opened. And there's this wonderful declaration. You are my son in whom I am well pleased. And so we get baptized, first of all, because Jesus did it. And we follow his example. But you go to Mark 16. And you find just before the ascension, the resurrection has taken place. The disciples are kind of clued up. Jesus has risen again. This is it. We've got him back. And he's about to ascend to heaven. And he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. Oh, that's interesting. That's what John was doing. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And what Jesus is saying is this, there is a, there is a route to go down. You can't get baptized in water before you become a disciple. You can't become a disciple without repentance. And repentance is usually supported by somebody sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. Unless God does it in a sovereign act, which does happen from time to time. But normally there's this kind of road that we travel on. We get convicted of our sin, we give in, we give our life to Jesus Christ, which is what the, the eight or nine people have demonstrated this morning. And as a result of becoming a follower of Jesus, we get baptized in water. And it's a public demonstration, which is what Jesus did. It was a public demonstration that I am committing my life publicly to Jesus Christ from this day on. I'm putting to death the old life. And to qualify that, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Peter gives this wonderful sermon. 
Oh, wouldn't you love to have been there and heard the full thing? Luke says, and with many other words, you wonder what the full sermon was actually like. It must have been awesome. But he gets into his message and suddenly they're cut to the heart and the crowd that was cynical, the crowd that was sarcastic, the crowd that were making fun, suddenly in the crowd they cry out, brothers, what must we do? And Peter instantly, without hesitation, gives this clarion call, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the promise of the Father. And the message goes out, and 3,000 people were baptized. That's probably, they got born again, they got at it, and they were baptized. We're not told where. The where is not the issue. See, it might be we use a portable baptistry baptismal pool. Maybe you come from a traditional background and there was a baptistry like it was in my church uh, that was there all the time. Maybe it was the river. Maybe it was the sea. Maybe it was the lake. It might have been the village pond. It could have been your bathtub. It doesn't really matter. What matters is, were you baptized? Has that moment taken place where you publicly gave Ascend to Jesus that I am following you for the rest of my days. And so Peter puts into practice what Jesus said. The great commission. They go into all the world. But it started on their doorstep. Because there was a whole host of nations represented in that crowd. And everybody heard the wonderful news of Jesus as they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And suddenly the sarcastic people are there. The cynics are there. They are, they're just drunk, like, you know. The pubs are not open yet. It's still nine o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk, as you suppose, but they are overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit. It was kind of a different experience for them. And suddenly, Peter gives this wonderful sermon. Repent is his clarion call, and be baptized, every one of you. That means, if you're here today, and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and you've never yet been through the waters of baptism, let this word ring true for you. Every one of you, repent, be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the promised Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. Hmm. Maybe you need to rethink it. But let's move on. Because you could argue, well, you know, Jesus didn't say it has to be a baptism in water. Well, he didn't have to. He didn't have to explain that because every town in his day had a baptizer. If you had a dirty, grubby garment and it was the only one you had, you could take it to the baptizer and he or she would put it in a big bath with full of soap in it and dunch it in and out and in and out and wash it and scrub it and it goes in old and it comes out new. It's been baptized. Maybe you read in the local newspaper and there's been a storm on the Sea of Galilee and a ship has been capsized and it's sunk without trace. It's been baptized. But there's water needed for both. You won't drown at sea if there's no water. It's amazing that, like, isn't it, you know? Really remarkable, but that's the truth. And you can't wash a garment without the use of water and you can't wash it fully unless it is fully immersed in the water. Which is why Paul in Romans 6 says, and he talks about baptism in a slightly extended way, he talks about this burial process that goes on. 
We are buried with Christ in baptism. Perhaps they didn't realize that what was taking place. They were buried this morning. Thank God they've been resurrected. It's okay. But he said, we're buried with him in baptism. Without putting too fine a point on it, you can't get buried by standing up and having topsoil sprinkled on your head. It doesn't work. It spoils your hairline and you get mud in your eyes and that's it. And it's not a decision you make personally either. It's often when it's sprinkling, somebody has made the decision for you. And it's believer's baptism because it's a decision I had to make, you have to make, we have to make. It's a personal decision that is made individually, knowingly, willingly, which is what Jesus did, which is why we follow his example. But that's Romans 6. You go to Colossians chapter 2. And in Colossians chapter 2, and I love the authorized version with verse 12, because Paul again says about this baptism being a burial. We're buried with him. That means you're not doing it on your own. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So when you go through the waters of baptism, you're not in isolation. He is there with you for a very good reason. And Paul he didn't use the authorized version. You understand that, don't you? you know, King James hadn't been born just yet. But the author, they believe that in Wales, actually. But, uh, which is why we left. They didn't like the theology. So, but Paul uses this wonderful word in, in, Acts, in uh, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12. He says, and this is the operation of God. Whoa. In other words, you stand there and somebody puts a hand behind your back and they take all your hands and they say, so on the confession of your faith, we now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And they put you into the water and that moment, you're on God's operating table and you raise in newness of life. Something is dealt with in death that can't be dealt with any other way. It's an operation that only God can perform, which is why we're buried with him in baptism. But you go to 1 Corinthians 10, and Paul, talking to the church at Corinth, says, don't forget, brothers, you know, when our ancestors were in the wilderness, they were baptized to Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Well, that's a bit of a, you know, it was a miraculous moment you probably know the story. The children of Israel have eventually come out of Egypt. They, they're fleeing. The, the, the Egyptians are glad to see them go. The firstborn has been slain because God instituted the feast of the Passover. And he said, if I, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And any house that didn't have blood on the doorpost and on the lintel from the lamb that was slain, the angel of death came through from Pharaoh right the way down to the poorest and the animals in the kingdom. And the firstborn was slain. And so the children of Israel are suddenly released out of Egypt and God leads them deliberately on a particular way. And you read the story in Exodus 14 and suddenly it is as if they're trapped because Pharaoh's heart has been hardened. He suddenly realizes we've lost our workforce. Let's go and bring them back. 
And he gets his chariot ready, plus 600, 600 other chariots, and anybody else that had a chariot, the one that had joined in, and they kick up a, a great death storm, and they chase after the Hebrews. And in front of the Hebrews is now the Red Sea. And coming up behind them in hot pursuit are the Egyptians, wanting their workforce back, wanting their slaves. And the children of Israel do what they're incredibly good at doing. Not like us, it has to be said. They moan. Oh, Moses, was there no graves in Egypt? Do we have to come out to the wilderness to die? I think you've just seen God's deliverance and already it's like the negative comes out. And eventually, Moses calms the people down and says this. He says, stand still and see the salvation of your God. For the enemy you see today, you will see no more. And that's what baptism is about. There are things we take into baptism that only baptism, in a sense, can deal with. Now, believers, we get baptized once. Only once, as a believer. But I do believe, in faith, with the imagination, we can go back to the moment that we were baptized. You know, we don't come out of the waters totally perfect in ourselves. The righteousness we get is a gift from God. The holiness we experience is a gift from God. It's a gift from God that Jesus presents us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. But there are struggles in life that we still go through. There are habits that we struggle to shake off. They don't all disappear in one go the moment we got born again or the moment we were baptized. We still have struggles in life. I have some habits that I still struggle with. But baptism is a way of seeing God perform the miracle again. The enemy you see today, you will see no more. And you may want to revisit your baptismal day or the occasion and take that, whatever it is with you, into the waters of baptism in your, in your imagination and watch God perform the operation that is needed. But you go to Acts chapter 8. Last reference that we referred to, Acts chapter 8. Wonderful story. I love this story. Philip is having a revival in Samaria. And cut a long story short, you know, the Peter and John arrive and the people there have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and they land some people and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit and they're speaking in tongues and wonderful things happen. And the revival is building in momentum. And then the Spirit of God says to Philip, now what I want you to do is get on the road that goes down from Jerusalem. It's the Gaza road. I'm having a revival here, God. Well, why can't I stay? But Philip doesn't do that. Philip just makes his way and says, okay, God, let's, let's go. We're meant to be spirit-led. Let's do what God is after. And he, he's on his journey down this Gaza road. And he sees the Ethiopian eunuch in a chariot who is making his way back home. He's been up for the festival. And now he's journeying back home. And he is reading. Don't know why, but he is reading Isaiah. He's got the scroll open. And the Spirit of God says to Philip, now, draw yourself, draw yourself alongside him. So he does. And then he asks the Ethiopian eunuch, what are you reading? Do you understand what you're reading? I said, how can I understand unless somebody guides me? Do you want to jump in the chariot? And so he gets into the chariot and they're going along and the Ethiopian eunuch says, tell me, is the, is the prophet talking about himself or about somebody else? And Philip puts into practice Mark 16 and Matthew 28 
And he preaches the gospel to another nation. And the guy goes, this is amazing. This is wonderful. And while he is talking, he gets born again. And then they're passing this pool of water and the eunuch says, here's water. What hinders me to get baptized? Here's water. And Philip says, do you believe in Jesus? Oh, you bet I believe in Jesus. He's amazing. You get this confession of the Ethiopian eunuch and they stop the chariot and they go into the water and he is baptized. And he comes out of the water and the Spirit of God picks Philip up and takes him somewhere else. And the Ethiopian eunuch is left on his own and he goes on his way rejoicing. Because God's not bound by tradition or by culture or by anything else. But the question is crucial. If you're a believer, whether that's you got born again today or 70 years ago or even further back if you're that old, it doesn't matter where the question you, ask, you have to ask yourself is the same one that the Ethiopian asked. Here is water. What hinders me in getting baptized? What is it that stands in the way of you surrendering your life to Jesus Christ today in public? It might be pride. It might be your own independence. It may be you like to do things your way and you don't see the value of water baptism and it's not really necessary for me. I'm okay as I am. According to God's word, no, you're not. It may be that your theology is mixed and you think christening is okay. You can't get buried by having topsoil sprinkled on your head. That's not the way it works. God wants to do business with you today. It may be, genuinely, you fear water. It's not about spoiling your hair, do. It's just you fear water. You just, the, the thought of being pushed underneath is a fear that you can't deal with. The enemy you see today, you will see no more. Surrender to Jesus Put your trust in him. He wants to do an operation in you today that you can't do any other way, only through baptism. God wants you to be buried with him in baptism because he wants to raise you in newness of life. He wants to resurrect you in such a way that it transforms your life from this moment on. And you look back and think, I wish I had done it sooner. But here's water. What hinders you from being baptized? Can we stand a moment, please? I'd like you to close your eyes for a moment. You don't want the band back up just yet. But just close your eyes. And I'd like you, if you've been baptized, I'd like you to imagine that moment, whether it was the bath the lake, the swimming pool, a baptismal pool like this, or a baptistry in a traditional church, the sea, the river, wherever it may have been. Just imagine yourself standing in the water and just listening to that voice. Whoever it was that baptized you, you listen to that voice that says, and on the confession of your faith, 
I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and you're plunged beneath the water and the enemy you see today you will see no more as God performs another operation in, in you and in me in our walk and our journey with him the enemy you see today you will see no more and while every head is bowed if you know I've put this off for fear for pride mixed theology fear of family fear of friends whatever the reason is that you have never gone through the waters of baptism I'm asking you to be incredibly brave and to come forward. It may be you get baptized this morning or an arrangement will be made for you to be baptized in a few weeks' time. But I'm asking you to make that commitment to Jesus. He is worthy of it all. I'd like the band, if they can come up on the stage, please. And while they play and we sing, I'm asking you to come forward to get baptized and to, today or to publicly declare this is what I want to do. Doesn't matter about your age, your background, nothing. As Philip said to the Ethiopian, do you believe in Jesus? And if your answer is yes and you're a disciple of his and you've never been baptized and while the band plays, and I hand over to Alan. I can ask you to make your way to the front. God bless you. Thank you.